0: Welcome to Running Scared with Coach Christine. Hello, friends. I am Coach Christine. I'm a level 2 RRCA and a Run, walk Run certified coach. And if you enjoy a bit of true crime along with running, walking, or at least you are willing to get laced up and get out that door, then welcome. You have found your corner of the internet, and I hope that we're going to be besties. Let's get right into today's workout with a strong five-minute walking warm-up let's make it happen in three two and one we're rolling go ahead and make this five minutes setting the tone for the entire workout you're going to be tall you're going to stay relaxed and you're definitely going to roll through here nice and light if you're outdoors of course you're being really mindful of your surroundings And I am sure that you let someone know where you are heading or at least what time to expect you. If you didn't do that, it's okay. Go ahead and send them a message now. If you're inside on a treadmill, go ahead and fire it up. Bring it up to a 1% incline. That's going to help to minimize the impact on your joints as we get moving and grooving here. All right, rock stars. This five-minute walking warm-up is always a great opportunity for you to get those tendons, muscles, ligaments, all those joints nice and lubricated so that the actual workout feels a little easier, also gives us plenty of time to get into what you can expect for today. So before we dive into today's workout, I'd like you to know that we are going to be covering the Hit podcast, Serial. We're going to be giving some thoughts and opinions along with a short synopsis and a background to this incredibly fascinating and pivotal case. Therefore, this case is going to speak about the killing of a young woman, Heyman Lee. And as of now, more than ever, this case is truly officially unsolved. We're gonna talk more about this during the workout, but please know that as this case is very much evolving, despite the killing happening in 1999, almost, well, actually over 20 years ago, What is really exciting about Serial the podcast is that it turned the tide on long-form journalism. Long-form journalism was traditionally seen in print or in public radio stations. But with Serial, we saw a breath of fresh air breathed into the podcast community. And in doing so, Serial can be credited by spawning an obsession with podcasting, true crime, Definitely informed us more about the legal and judicial system, and it changed how we as listeners consume media forever. So, there are going to be some spoiler alerts. If you have still not heard Serial, it's definitely going into episode notes. I'm going to strongly encourage you to check it out. I think I binged it over one weekend. It's about eight and a half hours, maybe about nine hours long. Absolutely riveting. However, it's still very, very poignant. Right, and along with me, I am really excited to talk about the fact that cereal is not the only thing here that's the multi-award winning. We also have, along with me, a very special guest. She'll be joining me during the core part of today's workout, and she too is an award-winning entrepreneur, journalist, and a digital marketing strategist. She's a proud mama of three. And besides just being a total badass, she was my go-to girl. Whenever I had to reach out to somebody, and be like, Hey, did you hear what happened on this latest episode of the serial? Or did you hear the latest twist and turn? So while we're going to be chatting more about Adnan, which until just about last week was considered by the judicial system as the murderer of Heyman Lee, speaking about him, his case, and of course, cereal in of it itself. Let's talk about what you can expect for today's workout. We're gonna use the rate of perceived effort. It's the RPE scale. It goes from one to 10. One is easy peasy lemon squeezy stroll. 10 is, oh my goodness, girl, there is a murder on the loose heading your way. You better sprint for your life. I'll add that full scale into the episode notes as well. Friends, this case and podcast serial, along with tons of spawn-offs, had one thing in common with today's workout. We're going to keep you guessing. That's right, friends. During today, while we chat about the case serial and learn more about Ashley, we're going to mainly work in conversation pace segments but we're going to pop in some pace surges some pullbacks but unlike a traditional interval workout the segments are going to vary in length and you won't know that they're coming so if you decide to go back and listen to cereal you'll completely understand that this workout is as full of twists and turns as was that case great work on warming it up let's get right to it friends we're going to go into our first conversation pace in three Two and one. Well, friends, without further ado, while you are rolling in your first conversation block, I want to welcome on in my dear, dear friend and the person that I constantly texted with. Can you believe what just happened on the latest episode of Serial? Hello, Ashley Cisneros Mija. How are you doing, friend? I am
1: doing so well, Coach Christine. Thank you for having me on Running Scared. Oh, my
0: goodness. I'm it's funny because we were talking a little bit how we're both scaredy cats but yet we both (laughs) fell in love with true crime and i think a lot of it in part well specifically for me was because i fell in love with cereal is that kind of how you started i mean you're true crime a little bit less so than what i'm into but you still got into cereal quite a bit oh my goodness i was obsessed with
1: cereal and you know i never probably would would think that I'd choose you know a podcast like that but Mm -hmm. I think the storytelling and just how relevant the case was you know the the people in it it just I was I had to binge that whole thing I totally got it done and couple days maybe.
0: And we didn't yeah. even just binge Cereal, which is over like eight <laughs> and a half hours worth of content. At the time when it first came out, they've had to add content because of some new developments and, and friends. We're going to talk all about that as well. But we didn't just binge Cereal. We didn't stop there. We went on to every possible offshoot with Cereal <laughs> come down the road. like. We got involved with some of the main characters, or not main characters, these are real people. One of the main people or the person who brought this case to light essentially started off her own offshoot podcast. We both got into that. She wrote a book, we both got into that. We loved the HBO show. So we went we went into full camp, like let's learn as much as we can, all because of just listening to this one podcast. So I've mentioned to folks during the warm-up that we would be talking about serial, but there are some people out there that haven't actually ever heard of Serial. Did you want to give them a little bit of a synopsis from your point of view as to the podcast and the case itself? absolutely so the case is about a,
1: a beautiful girl named Hey Min Lee um, whose life was taken um, during her senior year of high school um, she lived in Maryland I believe this was 1999 correct me coach Christine, if I got that wrong um, and basically this case um, her ex-boyfriend at the time um, was convicted um, and is actually well we'll talk about that more um, was found guilty at the time of of killing her, uh, somebody that was close to the family, to the the young man Adnan, to his family, was trying to find a journalist to talk about this case. And this was a couple of years even after he had already been in there in prison for a while. She finds Sarah Koenig, um, a dr- journalist from Was it uh, This American Life? Yes. Pitches this idea, um, or this telling her basically, here's this case. Um, You need to look into this. We need a journalist because there's um, some things that I think that I don't agree with. um, And I don't think that he did it. And here's why. And so um, this starts the podcast um, basically. and, And you have to think about this. This was 20. Was it 2014? I believe when Serial
0: came out. Yes.
1: You got all the dates down
0: correctly. It's almost like you studied for this.
1: (laughs) I'm telling you, we should have freaking like a certificate or a bachelor's degree in like this case. I'm telling you, it's a lot. We we dedicated um, some time to it. There's no doubt about it. A lot, a lot of time. I probably could have been working on getting into running, right? My fitness or something. Well, that's okay because
0: people are. They're running right now and they're still learning about cereals. So it's a two for one, friends. (laughs) It really, really
1: is. Serial was, it was released, it's like Christine said, an eight-episode podcast, which at the time, there certainly were podcasts around. I think this, if not the first true crime podcast, or like... The most popular one, definitely. The one that hit it (laughs) out of the
0: park and like completely like you you can't think of true crime podcasts without thinking of Serial at this point. Yes. Yes.
1: Turned everything as a result of it. Like you said, all these other offshoot projects, not just podcasts, but books and shows um, were created um, after it. And we'll talk about it in a little bit, but actually led to some major developments that I certainly didn't see coming.
0: I think that not even the individuals that were involved with serial thought that it was going to happen. So again, as Ashley has perfectly put down, so I'm so glad that, you know, I'm definitely cheating off of Ashley's test. If we ever have to sit down and do an <laughs> official test for Serial, I'm gonna see if she'll let me like look at her paper because she has all of the details down perfectly. Uh, the what I think that really focused me on Serial and Friends, if you haven't yet listened to it, of course I'm gonna throw that into episode notes for you guys to check out. But what compelled me was the fact that Sarah Koenig opens it up with saying, "I get so many of these people would like, please investigate this. Mm-hmm. They're innocent." But she said that when she started to kind of look at this one. She really did start to say, wow, I don't know if I can agree with what the judicial system has come up with. It does appear that this may potentially be a case where the wrong man is serving time. Now, what was fascinating for me in listening to it was that Sarah, by the way, comes from This American Life. This American Life is a gorgeously produced podcast. So she definitely, well, a radio show who also has a podcast component. So it's a podcast that everything is perfectly balanced. The audio is on point. They have little clips that they bring in and just captivates you. It's really perfect storytelling. So you are, you almost forget that this is real life to a certain degree because it's so beautifully orchestrated and how it's pulled together which makes it even, I think, even more fascinating. But what Sarah does in this podcast, and the reason why it was the first of its kind, I believe, is that she takes us on the journey with her. As she's exploring this case, she's actually putting out these episodes. So it's considered like that long form journalism. And both you and I are big fans of journalism because that is actually in your background. Yes. you're like a formally trained journalist. Yeah, is yeah,
1: really I was, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, w- I was a newspaper reporter for a small community newspaper, and I covered everything from you know city council to crime, like this, to you know this community organization's having a bake sale because it was a small town paper. So yeah, I I think that was another reason is because it was so beautifully done because it was journalism. Um, but it was this rich storytelling. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I just nerded out over mm-hmm. just how how she told it and how she structured the whole
0: podcast. I loved being able to go on the journey with her. It felt like, yes. because again, she was. it was very twisty and turny in terms of and one episode, you would leave it with potentially... I don't know maybe he did do it then the next episode or even sometimes within the same 15 minute segment of an episode you'd be like i'm not really sure how i feel about this but friends one thing that you should not be ambivalent about is the fact that you are going to confidently push into your next segment we're going to go ahead and do a 30 second push taking it up to a seven or eight on that effort scale let's do it in three two And one, it's just a little 30 second surge to push up that pace. And then we'll talk more about Cereal, its offshoots, and kind of how it changed the game for so many different things, not just podcasting, not just true crime, the legal system and how people perceive it. And maybe even how we've, as consumers of Cereal, have changed our viewpoints. You guys, let's go ahead and take it back into our conversation pace block. This one is going to be 10 minutes in three, two, and one. Make sure you reset that posture. You're nice and tall. You're bold and confident with how you are moving here. All right, so we alluded to the fact that we nerded out. We love cereal. Besides cereal and how it was produced, what drew you to the case specifically?
1: You know, I think it just felt so relatable. I mean, you and I are around the same age as Hay would have been, you know, if she was alive today and Adnan and some of the, the folks that were in the story. I mean, it takes place in 1999, um, <clears throat> it, you know, centers around. This couple, this, 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 their relationship, um, being seniors, looking forward to graduation. Like, I think it, this the way the podcast was produced with snippets of the music from that time, it just felt like, oh, my goodness. I was in high school in 1999. I um, remember, you know, getting ready for prom. Um, and then also just the cultures. Um, so, mm, yeah, um, hey was Korean American and um, Adnan Pakistani American. American and you know my family I'm Mexican American and my family was very very strict so you know hay and adnan there was almost this romeo and juliet effect like they weren't really supposed to be
0: dating they They kind of had not hidden yes
1: yes yeah Mm -hmm. that all felt my parents my parents were very very old school very traditional um and so i related to the story to the people to the time that this really happened in history
0: I wanted to joke around and say that I didn't relate to that at all, but oh my gosh, it's impossible to joke <laughs> around with that because it was, I'm actually kind of still scared that my dad might show up at my school dance and like <laughs> pull me out because that's actually what happened along and you'll hear it when you listen to Serial where one of the school dances Adnan's family shows up because he's not supposed to be dating. He's not supposed to be dancing with girls. They are very strict. Now, he was completely living in two worlds. He's 100% Americanized at that point, as you could say, in his his school life, which is how I felt very similarly as well. But I still had my dad hanging out at the school bus stop, making sure that I dressed appropriately (laughs) for school. And I'll never forget him picking me up the one time and making me change. And he must've made me change in the worst outfit ever. But anyway, that sounds (laughs) overprotective and overbearing and maybe not relatable for some people, but those were the little segments that captured me because I feel like, oh my gosh, I I lived such a very similar life. I too was listening to Jodeci um, and that probably was my song just as um, Hay writes in her diary. And I love also how compelling it was. It, It also hurts my heart to a certain degree that we got to hear um, from Hay from the voice of her diary. So it did allow you to have some insight into this young woman that for me being a female and thinking back to that time, she wrote very similar to how I would have written back then. Probably still would write very similar to it because I feel <laughs> what I feel so passionately and, and she does. She encompasses how how much she felt that she loved Adnan at that time. And how great the relationship was, and then of course when she was mad at him, how much she hated him. So it was definitely, it felt like it was, it could have been my story. And yes. there, but for the grace of God, go I kind of just comes into my mind. Like who knows what actually happened to this young woman. And you want to feel justice found for her. And yes. if it's adnan, fine. Let it be adnan, but let us know it's a hundred percent adnan. And that's what I think Cyril does, is that as you weave through the story you're still not able to really leave with that feeling of yes it's it's 100% him or not 100% him and that's what makes it both compelling and also very difficult to listen to.
1: A hundred percent because we want you know a nice ending. We, yeah, want, we want our well, Hollywood we ending. Exactly we want a nice tied up um, bow at the end telling us what happened and, and so we can move on and that serial she didn't give that to us. Sarah really kind of left it hanging that she didn't know. And it's it's interesting now. All the details because of those offshoots. Go, because of go the other ahead and, of. and,
0: and release. The, there is While there is not necessarily a happy ending, because at this point, I, I don't think that we could say there is a happy ending. The reason why right. we're talking about Cyril is because some news developed just as of last week. I'd love for you to share it because I know that actually I think I was just living my best life when I received my text from you. And you said, did did you hear the news? And I'm like, no, clearly I'm out of the loop. Please catch me up. So please feel free to share.
1: Yes. So the judge in Baltimore County, Maryland vacated Adnan Syed's sentence Last week, um, because, and this is so crazy, and we're, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, so <laughs> I don't understand all the legalese, but basically, through a review from the prosecutor's office, um, looking through details and even new material that's been, that's come to light since back then, since 1999, 2000, that time, there's been a lot of, um, even the prosecutors were saying, wait a minute, looking through his case, there's some cause for concern here. It looks like there's some things that we need to review and we can't. There's there was actually two more suspects that were um, that were identified, basically um, not publicly, but, you know, they were brought um they were looking at them at that time, and I don't think the defense knew. They weren't told about it, and so it did. I think it's called a Brady violation or something, where the defense team was supposed to to know about it. And right, it's supposed to be it should have been discovery. It should have
0: been filed for yes. them to have it aware. Yeah. I again, uh, if you guys aren't clear on the fact that we're not lawyers, I should go ahead and throw that disclaimer <laughs> out there. But I think you would already know by any of if you yeah. listen to any of my podcast episodes <laughs> that I I can barely learn to speak. A full sentence much less be able to defend anything legally but neither here nor there what's <laughs> fascinating i think about this particular case is that adnan had a trial where everything for all intents and purposes seemed like they had decided that more than likely hit the jury of his peers and i don't even know how you find the jury of your peers when you're a 19 year old boy um, right. you know pakistani american but their perception of the jury of his peers it appeared that they were looking to likely hand a sentence that would have gone his way and he would have been set free unfortunately there was a mistrial there's a lot of conversation about his attorney at that time was going um through a illness and battling an illness so however that went down in terms of my understanding is that she misheard, she overheard a juror saying something and she perceived it to be about this individual not liking her Right. Is that correct? I don't know how valid that was at looking back from the information that we we found out through Serial about his defense attorney, but neither here nor there. They did declare a mistrial. It did go back a second term or a second time around before the court. And that one did not go. You know, it just goes to show it really just sometimes picking that jury can be different. His attorney was in a different state of mind. It just did not go well for him. And clearly he was found guilty at that point because they did discuss a little bit, or at least Sarah does through serial, that there may have been other potential suspects. They just didn't yeah. get to get into the nitty gritty of it because no investigation was really ever officially launched on those other suspects. And I don't know about you, but like for a long time period or for a long Uh, Period, And by that, I mean, during those eight hours that I consumed it all at one time, I was thinking, oh my God, it's definitely the older guy she was dating. Or it was definitely that friend that Adnan (laughs) had who like ratted him out. Like it definitely had to have been him. Like there was a lot of that. And I think that what we see now is, again, technology has changed. They're able to bring for a lot more information. But this was a good old fashioned They found papers that should have been filed and weren't filed. And that's, yeah. that's what it comes down to. A hundred percent. And what's fascinating for me with this case right now is we still don't know. Like, Adnan has spent 20 plus years in prison. Believe it? yeah. I, I, I don't even know how he goes back to having a regular life. At this moment, he is free. He ha- They have about 30 days for the prosecutors to decide whether they're going to prosecute him or if they're going to drop charges. So the vacation which when I first read that in your text, I was like, he's going on vacation. What <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean? Yeah. But the, the vacation of, or his sentence or his, um, him being found guilty, of being vacated doesn't necessarily 100% mean that it's been thrown out, that he is a hundred percent free quite yet. Cause they still have a little bit more time to consider what they're going to do. So Cyril released their update on the podcast which for me was also still compelling and still really hard because her yeah. family now has no resolution whatsoever. They just want to be able to heal and move on to a certain degree. Yeah. How does that make you feel? It makes
1: me feel, I mean, I'm glad that they, I'm glad that their attorney spoke, you know? So of course there was this big press conference when Adnan was physically released, allowed to walk out of this prison facility. Um, and the attorney kind of said that, like, well, they also didn't get a heads up that this would even be happening so that they could, you know, kind of prepare emotionally or, or try right. to say something. And so it is heartbreaking because as much as, you know, we are talking about cereal and how great the quality was, we it's know still people's that lives. it's yes. This beautiful yeah. girl, vibrant, had her whole life ahead of her, literally was in her last semester of, of high school. She was going to start college and Adnan as well. She lost her life and her family, you know, everybody wants some to, someone to blame, someone to point to when something like this happens and they thought it was Adnan and they had accepted it. I'm sure they were still grieving all this time, but you know, there was at least this sense of. This this is the person finality or closure, right? And then now it is ripped out of nowhere. It's like no, just kidding. Like talk about you know hurting an old wound and, and you know bringing all these emotions back up. So it is heartbreaking for the family and. I think when you talked about that, we still don't know who did it, that there had nobody, you know, there was some DNA evidence um, that I think they are DNA testing. They're going to do these. There was these two suspects that uh, they haven't named publicly, but that the officials know about. I'm hoping that they put their 2022 technology on this 1999 data and get some answers for this poor family you know yeah
0: no doubt about it now friends we're gonna have a 60 second push for you guys to go up and then we're gonna talk a little bit more about that technology in three two and one i know what's amazing to me as you guys are rolling through these 60 seconds of your push looking at it comfortably hard but ashley what i think is amazing is that they did have some interesting technology They did use cell phone records because Adnan had just gotten a cell phone just a few days before this murder happened. Um, They, I think, again, another reason why Sarah was so compelling, she actually ran through the scenario that they created, the prosecutors created, of him being able to maybe actually get away with what having considered murder, and it did not Mm -hmm. seem to hold up from the timeline perspective. So there was certain technologies utilized but at that point, DNA wasn't, while well, we do famously know it from the O.J. Simpson case, right. it still wasn't something that was utilized in every single case. So I'm curious how that may change the tide for them. We're all going to go back into that conversation pace in three, two, and one. And friends, if you are rolling through here and you listen to cereal and you are just as rabidly addicted to it as we are and you want to tell us all about what you thought about it feel free to reach out Christine at runwindfinishlines.com or in the Running Scared Facebook group page tag me and Ashley because we are down to talk about this at any time clearly (laughs) yes so let's talk a little bit more about how well we know that this is now potentially going to be reinvestigated the family basically told the judge which that judge had probably the hardest job ever to make this decision. They said to the judge, you know, this is hard for us. We really have come to the recognition that for us, it was unknown at this point, but we want justice to still be figured out and just make the right decision. That's pretty powerful. Do you feel like they have enough of this new technology where we should be able to get a resolution?
1: I hope so. And our layman
0: limited amount of forensic information, like I (laughs) I don't really 100% know, but.
1: I I think so. I want to think so, right? Like certainly this technology has improved. Thinking about, you know, like you talked about phones, like he had just gotten a phone in 1999. Now we can run whole businesses from our smartphones. Like you can record whole movies from the quality of your camera and your smartphone. So certainly I have to think that the DNA, first of all, They didn't test even the case they didn't test like some of the items that were found near her body Um, uh, they didn't even test it at all for for dna for like the person who discovered her to to anybody else and so there was just some basic things that they straight up did not test Not to mention, you know, things that they could test again. So, um, and when you were talking about the the phone, you know, in that case, they use the phone pings from the towers at the time to try to like, tell where um, a person was located. Now, they didn't have GPS the way that we do today. Right. um, And actually, and that was one of the things that they discovered. There was a cover sheet from AT&T that had provided this ping information that said, hey, this information is not reliable for, I think it was incoming calls. It was like, it was not reliable for that. And it was only reliable for outgoing, I want to say. And so basically that piece of information was not brought to light and the whole state's position was hung on the darn ping, yeah. the phone calls. And so it's it's like, yeah, so the technology today and information, I mean, there was so much, I think, that, that was not done correctly back then. That plus the new capabilities that I'm thinking we have today, I'm hoping that they can nail down who did this to this poor girl. I see,
0: and I don't know that I'm as hopeful as you are in this regard because yeah. I think of... Well, anybody who's running along to this who's run any of the big major city races will know, like, to this day, you can't rely on your GPS um, location for, like, Chicago Marathon or New York City Marathon. And while they aren't necessarily, like, in the heart of one of those big cities, and there's not necessarily a mass group of people all using that GPS data, it's still, like, I've gone out for runs here in my local town and been close enough to the airport where it'll scramble the signal a little bit and not necessarily be the most reliable Um, And I'm going to say that, especially when I have some of my paces that I don't hit during a speed session run. Definitely. It's that my (laughs) cell phone and GPS didn't ping correctly. It wasn't me slowing (laughs) down. But no, realistically, I'm still not necessarily as, um, I guess, confident in the technology. Well, I think the technology has grown leaps and bounds. But my understanding with DNA specifically is that it's not like a black and white just like most things in life or not because there is something considered transfer DNA so it's quite possible that if he maybe touched an item that this other individual then touched his DNA could be on that, that product let's say it's a hairbrush whatever the case may be or maybe a shirt that transfer DNA could show up and reflect that he may have been there when in actuality he was I don't know trying to hook up with this other girl that they mentioned about in cereal. And he was out on a date with her at the Dairy Queen or wherever you go in in 1999. (laughs) So I don't know if I'm as confident of that. I think that's what's also very difficult and heartbreaking for the family and a little bit for Adnan, because I think for Adnan, if he is truly 100% innocent, I can only imagine that this man wants nothing more than to be exonerated Like, with just as much proof as possible so he can go back to live his life. I don't know how he really goes back to live his life, but I think he would want no doubt whatsoever as he moves forward in his life.
1: A hundred percent. And you think about it. I mean, he was taken from his bedroom in the early morning hours, a couple days, you know, after this case, after this happened, when he was 17 years old. And, I mean, he... Like he doesn't even know how to use an iPhone or so, you know, Android yeah. or anything. Like, it's just the amount of life. Um, Yeah, I think he—he he of all people, you know, who's I'm breathing, him and the family. So they want to know. Curious too.
0: Now we talked a little bit about this off the mic, where we discussed how is it possible too that we're seeing it? We're seeing, and for the record, I'm a huge fan of the judicial system. I am as big of a fan of the judicial system as I am about journalism, because I think both of these are, in their perfect sense, quite beautiful, and they are supposed to be, you know, justice is supposed to be blind. I think true reporting and true journalism does present the facts to you, and you're supposed to walk away with it, making your own determination from it. I am a big believer in both those things. But realistically, it's imperfect system because it has all of the human aspects to it. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it's possible too, that the case may have gone the way that it did because of a potential, let's just call it what it is, maybe colorism, racism or misunderstanding of his religion or his family's religion. I have to think that played into to part as well.
1: I think so. I think there was a, some statistic about that his religion was brought up and his background was brought up like, 300 times or something ridiculous within, you know, all the proceedings. Um at I think the first hearing all the people from the mosque came. They were willing to mortgage their or, or fi- give their houses up right. to come up with the bail money to let him out. And instead, the the state at the time twisted it and were saying, "Yep, these people are all here because they're going to let him go. They're going to as soon as we let him out, they're going to have him out of the country. He's a flight risk." Um, they talked about that it was like an honor killing, that he couldn't let go because, you know, they'd broken up and that, you know, he was emulating these things that are done in these other countries around the world. And they were just really, there was a lot of,
0: um, a lot of
1: talk yeah. references Meanwhile, to that.
0: the mm-hmm. only person that he likely wanted to really emulate was like, biggie smalls and he's like, I yeah. want to like <laughs> he was like American i just want to be like big papa like that's all i really want a, yeah
1: yeah he was a teenager kid he liked girls he you know liked smoke weed <laughs> you know right. he had yeah. his little job but he was a good kid he had already been you know accepted to college like think about it like these the, when this happened christmas break was over they had just come back to start the spring semester it was january they had, what, January, February, March, April, May? They were looking at graduation, prom, yeah. senior stuff, grad night. Like, th- th- that's what this, that's the the, um, the frame of mind, I think, that these kids had. So it wasn't, I, I think there was a lot of unnecessary um, focus on him being Pakistani and being Muslim in this
0: yeah, case. I, I do agree as well, and that it does also kind of make you think that maybe there was that little aspect to it and if that continues to be the case as well moving forward do we start to see or do we continue to see where maybe he is prosecuted again or the other suspects that are looked at are potentially the individuals that um, maybe meet a criteria that is an easier population to target but Mm -hmm. while I'm indecisive about that I know that I'm not indecisive about the fact that you guys have a 60 second push here and then we'll have one more conversation block on the other side before we finish up with our cooldown. down. We're gonna learn a little bit more about journalism because again, I think that's really so important with storytelling as to why we were captivated with serial. But friends, first let's make that push happen in three, two, and one a great time. You can push into that five to six in the effort scale. Maybe you're feeling a little spicier, a little hotter. You wanna take it up into a seven or eight. Feel free, we gonna hold you back. Check in with your form and know that you've got about 45 more seconds. Staying light on those feet, landing underneath your hips. And then I'm going to ask you while we're waiting, what was your favorite song in 1999? Do you remember? Oh, man. <laughs> we got to hear from Hay that her favorite, I think her song was Dodices. I'll have to look it up. I, I like, will oh always my gosh, wait. I remember that. All my yes. Was it
1: all my life?
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember mine. It's okay. You have plenty of time to Google because we're taking back into a conversation <laughs> pace. In <laughs> five. Four, three, two, and one. Friends, this is a little bit of a shorter segment on this side during this conversation block, but nonetheless, plenty of time to continue getting in those miles. We are going to talk more in a little bit after I've put Ashley on the, on the spot to tell me her favorite song from 1999. I'm like, I don't even remember much about 1999 except for the Prince song. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and well, it wasn't even released in 1999 no that was like a 80s but yeah like there was the no scrubs i'm looking it up no scrubs was in 1999 angel of mind by monica baby one more time by britney spears genie in a bottle by christina aguilera like live in la vida loca that was ricky martin there were some good songs in 1999
0: there was <laughs> it was a good year there really was like i yeah. I think I was a huge fan of everything from like Santana with his smooth release, not a huge boy band fan, but Genuine had some, of course Casey and JoJo, Eminem, so we had Christina Aguilera, all all the greatest, but now let's talk a little (laughs) bit about, actually we'll segue that with why we were captured by those songs, because usually they had really great lyrics. I'm not going there because that's not that easy to, you can't go from my name is to to talk about storytelling and journalism but we're gonna we're gonna go there we're gonna try so again we talk a little bit about storytelling and that's why we have you not only because you are I I won't necessarily say that you're my Rabia but I feel like you would have my back if I ever did need somebody to write like Sarah and be like hey you should cover Christine's case because she needs your help kind of a thing (laughs) Um, friends Rabia is what we consider uh, Adnan's ride or die. She is an attorney who's the one who wrote Sarah and also has an offshoot podcast. So if you want to hear more about Sarah from a legal perspective, I would strongly suggest her podcast as well. And I'll include that in episode notes. But you are a journalist. So I think that that adds a lot of extra value. And when you're listening to this, you're consuming this media from a very different perspective. How do you feel that storytelling really played into what the narratives that were created and why there is still that difficulty or maybe the attention that's been brought onto this case is due to that storytelling.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. I was listening to some podcast interviews of Rabia, who definitely there was a meme that I saw. It was like, there's persistence and then there's Rabia. <laughs> pers- persistence, right. I mean, this, when you talk about 23, 24 years of advocacy toward the, I mean, that is some, she's sticking to it, but, yeah. um, You know it's interesting she uh she reached out to sarah because there had been no real big news coverage of this case i mean there may have been you know a point here and there but she that's what was her that was her objective she wanted a journalist to go and research this and sarah sarah approached it from a journalist perspective where she didn't really take a side you could tell that there was times where maybe she was leaning one way or the other or she wasn't sure you know um, how she felt about Adnan. And, um, but she really, and she did, she she did the whole simulation where she tried, looked at like the timeline that the state presented and tried to actually drive to the Best Buy parking lot, drive, you know, timing things. So she was doing her due diligence. Um, some critics will say she didn't do enough, but she really achieved kind of the objectivity. This, here's the facts. Here's what these, this side says. Here's what this side says. Uh, side says and here's interviews and she presented the information some of the critiques like i've heard robbie on interviews talk about that she was upset that sarah didn't at the end say no i think he didn't do it or yes i think he did she she left that up to the listener and to me that is what journalism is supposed to be it's not editorial it's an opinion column right like you're not you're not supposed to take a side. You're supposed to present both sides or all sides equally, fairly, you're supposed to do your research from high quality sources double yeah. check those sources. And so for me, I, I, like, I can see the frustration why people feel like Sarah didn't take a side, but to me that she was doing the right thing. She wasn't supposed to take a side.
0: Yeah, all that comes to mind when I hear people criticize um, Sarah, which by the way, she's also multi-award winning, so I'm pretty sure yeah. that she can handle that little bit pepper of <laughs> criticism yeah. because she's walked away from this actually kind of revolutionizing an entire source of media if there's no mm-hmm. doubt about it, but I think, well then you pick the wrong journalist because that's, this is somebody who has that, that's her history, she came up through public media where there is that really big um, emphasis on having that, more of that perfect standard or I shouldn't say perfect, but more of that standard of making sure that when you present your information from a journalistic standpoint, it is without a doubt where it's not colored. You have to almost remove yourself from it. I think she still allowed the human aspect to be seen because she yes. did have her doubts and she would vocalize her doubts in a medium that you could really only do through podcasting. She couldn't necessarily do that if she would have been maybe writing it. Um, I'm curious, so how do you feel like as a journalist, as somebody who's now made your entire... Everything about your life has to do with storytelling and writing and your organ- your company, Talk Freelance to Me, is all about how people can actually storytell. What do you feel like that people could take away from it? What's a-, a lesson that somebody who wants to get into freelance and hears this incredible, beautifully well done podcast, what's kind of a-, a media takeaway that you have for them?
1: think that the work is never done, right? That anything can be improved, Beautiful. right? Okay. And that there's multiple angles. There's multiple angles that not everything is is what it seems. Not everything can be tied up in eight Nice, clean episode with you know with the bow at the end. Like, look at how long this has taken. Look, there was undisclosed, which was Robbie's podcast. Right. After there was something called Truth and Crime. I want to say um, there was the book. There was um,
0: books. The There's HBO been book. several books. So yeah, much. the HBO series. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. incredible.
1: Absolutely. So anything can be improved, anything can you can dig deeper and look at from a different perspective, from a different angle. And that doesn't mean that we need to get caught up in, okay, well, you know, perfectionism. Like, I think there's also something where you can, you can review something, edit something, create something, and it's good enough or it fulfills the need at the time, by also giving yourself that grace and that knowledge that there's always something that you can do better you can tweak. Um, But that, you know, that's an it's an evolving forum that that writing, um, you can always go back to things and revisit them. Like, look at Hamilton. Hamilton, like, just revolutionized Broadway. And it's this historical story of one of our founding fathers. And by taking a different view of it, by looking at the story and telling the story in this unique way, just how it resonates with a whole new audience that maybe wouldn't really... Pay attention beyond you know history class, um, so I think there's a lot of lessons we can glean from it.
0: Oh my gosh! Well, I'm gonna pick the first lesson that I that really resonated with me was that we don't have to worry about perfectionism. So friends, we're gonna have one final push here. I'm gonna tell you to reach for those stars because we don't have to be perfect. We just have to give it our best effort, and then we're gonna cool down on the other side. In three, two, and one. And why I love how that really resonates with me is because. I feel like be it people that are running or people that are maybe considering a passion project, like starting a podcast that has to do with cereal because they fell in love with cereal and they wanna now go in a little step further or another podcast or maybe starting a new career and becoming um, like more of a master of their own fate by taking on freelancing, which is what you specialize in. I think that that's really what it comes down to is not letting that perfection really kind of hone us in and also not letting that, oh, it's been done already because there's always another aspect and there's always another person who needs your special brand of storytelling. So I can't wait for us to get into our cool and you to tell me more about like how would you help people or how you do help people become freelancers so they have more time and more energy maybe to take on a passion project and listen to more true crime in three two and one five minutes friends go ahead and pull it back of course pat yourself on the back for reaching for those stars and so let's say I come to you which I have several times and I say Ashley (laughs) how do I tell my story or how do I get out there and start working in this field that I love How would you tell? What do you tell your freelancers that come to you?
1: You know, so I have I talked to a lot of writers, fellow writers like me, um, and writers who specialize in all different kinds of writing. Some of them write blogs. Some of them write, um, you know, white papers or technical papers is I think looking at what you naturally enjoy, what you naturally know about and then who you want to serve, who you want to talk to because that's a story. When you think about storytelling, you need the person who's telling the story and you need the person who's listening to the story, who's receiving it and knowing both pieces and kind of what they're into, what their angle is, um, what they already know or don't know is the first step in identifying, okay, well, how how are we going to tell this story? How are we going to craft it? Like cereal was for the general market. It was just, right. the facts. Whereas Undisclosed was three attorneys looking at the legal aspects. Like, right. And so it was so, totally different.
0: Absolutely. Because I love Rabia, but I can't <laughs> listen to Undisclosed with the same attention that I do with Serial. I'm like, I don't know what they're talking about. It's same. like way, way above my like IQ level or my educational level. I just don't understand it. It's all Greek. So yes, but it's the same thing, right? They're yeah. still talking about cereal. They're still talking about Hay. They're still talking about... Mm-hmm. Adnan. So I love that you're expressing to people that are considering freelancing as a potential outlet for themselves, that this is something that don't be scared by the fact that you may think there's too many people out there already doing that. Now, tell me more about like, because when I hear of freelancing, I automatically think that the only gigs that I can get is maybe something in like, I just think of freelance journalism, and I think that that's really a hard gig to penetrate into. What does that really look like for folks? For people who are great with writing and love the written word, what would that look like for them?
1: Oh, my goodness. There are so many opportunities. Like, you know, I I enter it from the journalistic perspective, but a lot of the writers I talk to don't have any formal education in in journalism or writing. Some of them just like writing. And nowadays, there's so much content. When you think about movies, TV, podcasts, Commercials, um, right. all of that. Somebody has to write it. So even though YouTube some, blog
0: series, yes,
1: yes. So there's there's um, business owners who need help. There's people who need resumes. So they're telling their brands their their professional story. their Um, story as a career as a professional in their industry they need help telling stories Um, they need help with their LinkedIn profiles there's companies that need blogs written Um, there's so much material basically it doesn't have to just be news it doesn't have to be like I'm writing you know news coverage for a website there's so many applications of writing and then I get um, through my work get to talk to other people other creative people who are freelance graphic designers Or they're freelance programmers, developers. Um, There's a lot of virtual assistants I talk to. What I'm learning is that freelance can really just be independent work. You you do whatever you do, but you do it independently rather than working with an organization. And I think, especially after the pandemic and great resignation, there's a lot of people considering freelance work or independent work. And so it's been so exciting to see more people consider that.
0: A couple of things that I have as takeaways when you say that is first and foremost, I just read an article that talked about how we may have an impending recession. And we could probably discuss that until we're blue in the face. I'm not going to get into whether (laughs) we are in one or not. But they did discuss that a lot of companies are now turning to freelancers in a way that they hadn't been previously because they may not have what it takes to bring on a, on a whole new employee to staff and to pay all benefits to, but they are still needing this content provided. Another thing that comes to mind when you say that, so why I bring that up is because a lot of people I think have hesitancy, is, is this a good time to get into that kind of a big jump for myself or reaching for the stars in that way? But the reason that I also love what you just said is that sometimes I think the hard hardest thing to write is our own story or our own like offers and value so I think that with you and talk freelance to me what you do is you help people to kind of how do you promote yourself how do you get started how do you actually put yourself out there into making this a reality not only do you give them the practical aspects of these are the steps that you would actually need to take you also let them know that they are able to really make this happen with a little bit of tweaks as to how they presented or how they tell their story of of becoming a freelancer. So if folks want to get in touch with Ashley and talk freelance to me, or maybe because they want to also hit you up for some more conversation around Serial, where would they find you, Ashley?
1: Absolutely. I'd love to invite everybody within the Running Scared community who's interested in talking about freelance or exploring that. I'm building a new community on Instagram. My handle is at talkfreelancetome.com or actually you can leave the com, that's the website but talkfreelancetome is the handle and I'm putting together this business brainstorming um, worksheet so if you've ever thought about working in freelance, even if it's just a side hustle right now, maybe you don't want to leave your full time job, maybe you just want to make some extra cash because of this in- right. recession, inflation. At least inflation,
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm telling
1: you, it's bad out here. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm putting the finishing touches on it, I'm going to be um, sharing it on Instagram so, if you follow me at Talk Freelance to Me on Instagram, you'll be the first to get it. And I'd love to welcome you and talk to you more there.
0: So friends, I'm going to take it one step further as you're finishing up. I hope that you give yourself that pat on the back for getting in this good workout. But if you have considered this, Ashley is my go-to person. Everything that I've ever learned about marketing or starting a business has come from Ashley. And it's funny because I tell her this all the time. I'm not just saying this because she's a guest on my podcast and (laughs) dedicated about an hour with me. And I appreciate that so much. But truly, it's because she has... So much knowledge. She's an award-winning. I mean, I mentioned that in the introduction. I know that, but friends, she's got such relatable, make it happen information in a way that you may not be considering it for yourself. But I am going to definitely say, check it out. Get this information from her, and I will include it in episode notes as well. So Instagram, everybody's going to be following at, at at talk freelance to me, right?
1: Exactly. Thank you, Perfect. coach. You are the best. And I love, Thank love, you love the work you're doing. Uh-uh.
0: Well, we love, we love each other, of course, but we love you guys for running scared with us. Thank you so much. Of course, if you get a chance, rate and review running scared with coach Christine and talk to you soon.